just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Friday, kind of a crazy week we've been through. Yesterday got a little weird, and we will talk about that in just a little bit. I know a lot of folks were asking me, where's Ed? Where's Ed? And we hadn't heard much from him since Thanksgiving. With the holidays, he was traveling, I was traveling, but Ed was on the previous podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, you will want to check it out. It's a good show. I love doing shows with Ed because he and I know how each other works. We're kind of on the same page as far as politically. Uh, He has some different points of view. He's a bit older. He's from a different part of the country. But I think we mesh together pretty well, and, and it was a good show. If you haven't heard it as yet, I would suggest you go back and check it out. Now we've got the storm going through. It's cooled off here in Minnesota, so we're getting more snow. Up to this point, up to last night, we hadn't got a lot of snow, maybe an inch or two, and that's nothing in Minnesota. It'll be interesting to see what it shakes out to be tomorrow, but I think going into the weekend here, we should be through this storm. I I don't know. I'm not a fucking meteorologist, but um, it'll be nice to get this passed. And we'll have to worry about what's going to happen on the East Coast. We know we've got all the tornadoes down south, which some have been pretty devastating. And it's kind of weird. We're seeing more tornadoes down south. And where I live in Minnesota, we used to see tons and tons of tornadoes. We don't see them as much. We don't get as cold a weather and we don't get as much snow. You'd almost think there was kind of a, I don't know, a climate change. But we know that's a fucking hoax, so we're not going to worry about that, right? (laughs) We're going to start this show out with an email. I have one email to get to. comes from a gentleman by the name of Eric, and he's written before. He might have even been on the show. I don't remember all the names of the people that have been on the show. I'm 62. I tell people, at 62 years of age, I can remember the 70s like it was yesterday, but I frequently forget to zip my pants coming out of a bathroom. So that's where I'm at. The short-term stuff is always difficult when you get older. Anyway, this email goes like this. Hi, Mike. While listening to your latest podcast, I had a few thoughts I would like to get your take on. He goes on to say, hopefully I'm worried for nothing. While I'm glad they codified same-sex and interracial marriage, I don't think this offers the final protection that everyone seems to think it does. This Supreme Court could still find uh, this law unconstitutional, and we would be right back where we started. I know that it's slightly harder to overturn a law versus a Supreme Court decision, The only way to permanently protect marriage equality would be with a constitutional amendment, though I think we're probably 10 years or more away from having votes for that. On the idea of passing an abortion bill, I think there is another option that we could use to get it passed without a single Republican vote. Following your idea on having roughly five Republican side with the Democrats may Maybe they could get enough Republican House members to do to either not show up or simply vote present. They wouldn't have to support it. Instead, they just wouldn't oppose it. As far as I know, you don't need 218 votes to pass the bill, just a majority of those who are present and vote yes or no. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks, Eric. On the first point, yeah, you're technically right. Uh, Anybody can sue anybody for anything. And so theoretically, somebody could file a lawsuit, run it up the courts, and take it to the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court um, would have to take some drastic steps to overrule a law. Like you said, it's one thing to be a, a Supreme Court decision, but a law is another thing. I won't say anything is impossible, 
I won't say it's not possible that they couldn't overturn it, but it'd be a hard it'd be a hard deal to get it up through the courts and get it to the Supreme Court and get the Supreme Court to decide to overturn a law. That's not likely. But like I said, anything is possible. What this does, if nothing else, uh, it closes all the loopholes. You know, the loopholes we had with Roe v. Wade. It wasn't really about abortion uh, when they passed uh, Roe v. Wade. It was more about privacy, and they attached uh, abortion to privacy. So there were some loopholes there. There was some wiggle room, and that's what they were able to mess with it. Uh, this closed some of those loopholes. While it may not be an absolute, it does make it far more difficult to do. And frankly, with Republicans now voting for it, I don't think you're going to see as much uh, fervor about changing this. I, you're right, it could happen, but I don't think it will. I just don't think it will. No one will take it on, and I'd be surprised if any court tried to overturn the law. Possible. I just don't think it's likely. This puts uh, same-sex and interracial marriage in a much safer situation than it was before. You remember, they didn't have to do this. Nobody's put pressure on this before. Uh, nobody's taken it up to the Supreme Court as yet. But we did hear Clarence Thomas and some of the people talking about it. And after what they did with Roe v. Wade, it is, it is reasonable to think they might give it a try. This kind of puts a stopgap on them. It's not absolute, as I said, but uh, it's a pretty good stumbling block. So I don't think, I don't think uh, we're going to see that happen. And with the way the country's going, as I said, in 2028, we're going to have largely uh, millennials and Gen Zers kind of running the place with the most votes. They aren't even going to look at that. That's a that's going to be an accepted thing with those folks. Nobody will be fighting about it. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. And regarding what you're talking about with the House of Representatives, you're absolutely right. 218 uh, is if everybody's voting. You need a majority. But if people don't show up or they just vote present, then the amount of uh, votes you need to get a majority is much smaller, of course. And it depends on how many people don't vote or just don't show up. So you're right about that. My thought with the abortion thing, the reason I think it could pass in the House is because Republicans are stinging from the midterms. And probably the biggest thing that cost them the midterms was overturning Roe v. Wade. So if we're dealing with intelligent Republicans, and now I know there might not be that many of them, but those that have some intellect would say, you know, we fucked up on that Roe v. Wade thing. Maybe we better back that off of that. If we keep pushing that, we're going to keep losing elections. So maybe we need to back off of it a little bit. And maybe they want to be identified as saying, you know, I've had second thoughts on Roe v. Wade. I'm going to vote for it. Now, that's asking a lot from the Republicans. I'll grant you that. And I don't know if it's possible. I try to work on common sense. If I'm a Republican in the House of Representatives and I'm trying to separate myself from MAGA and Donald Trump, which everybody should be doing at this point, I'd want to do something to try to redeem myself. And this codifying a Roe v. Wade may be the way to go. Now, as I'm saying, I'm taking a long shot here. I'm assuming there are some Republicans that uh, are reasonably minded, <laughs> are critical thinkers, and understand how they fucked up, and understand that they need to redeem themselves from where they fucked up. Will that happen? I don't fucking know. I don't know. I mean, if it were me, I would do that. But let's be perfectly honest. Most of the Republicans in the House of Representatives aren't as smart as me or you. So we just have to wait and see what they ultimately do. But I wouldn't be surprised if they help to codify Roe v. Wade. That's a loser for them. They can't keep riding that horse because it's going to keep costing them elections. So what do you do? You back out of it 
and say, oh, no, I've been always for Roe v. Wade. Act like they never voted against it. Okay, now, the day before yesterday, Donald Trump got everybody jacked up, said, I've got a big announcement coming at 11 o'clock on Thursday. A huge announcement. It's going to be big. Ed and I talked about it in the previous podcast, and of course, everybody was guessing what it could be. Is he going to announce a running mate? Is he going to run for Speaker of the House? Is he going to run for the RNC chairmanship? Everybody was thinking it's going to be some political move, something exciting, something to grab attention. And let's be honest, Donald Trump needs some attention at this point because come Monday with the January 6th committee, all the air is going to be sucked out of Donald Trump's balloon. He's going to be exposed. The people around him are going to be exposed. And that whole week, next week, is going to be a glorious shit show for Donald Trump. We're going to love it. This is going to be the most entertaining thing we've seen in a long time. But Donald Trump needs some way to distract. He always wants to distract. So that's why everybody was thinking, oh, he's got a big announcement. He's going to throw something amazing out there. Donald Trump, he's got the plan. You know, the Republicans all think, oh, just stick with him. He's got this all planned. He's playing 3D chess. So 11 o'clock comes along yesterday morning, and he makes the big announcement. (laughs) Donald Trump touted the release of digital trading cards with his likeness on Thursday after teasing this major announcement earlier in the week. The digital cards or NFTs, non-fungible tokens, aka digital artwork that can be traded and logged online, cost a steep $99 a pop. $99 a pop when the Republicans are trying to tell us the economy sucks. Well, it is just before Christmas. Now, he's got, I don't know, he's got like 10 of these NFTs or these digital trading cards. And apparently you buy them for 99 bucks. You don't get to pick which one it is, and they send you one. But here's the thing. It's not, not uh, tangible. It is digital, so they fucking email it to you or whatever. My question is, if you really like the picture, why not just wait till it's posted online, download the motherfucker, and put it on your phone? Who cares if it's logged and all this other shit? This stuff isn't going to gain value, not for Donald Trump. But but the amazing thing is, Donald Trump has an opportunity to create a stir, and the only thing he can come up with is yet another way to grift his own people. Because nobody with common sense is going to buy this shit. I heard something on the news, and it was kind of interesting. After the 2020 election, when he lost, he started fundraising. He gathered like $130 million. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty amazing. Now, after the 2022 election, this one that just passed, he did some fundraising. You know how much he got that time? Four and a half million dollars. Oh, that's a big drop. Donald Trump's value is dropping like a fucking rock. Now, let's just say you're willing to pay the price to lay claim to a limited edition JPEG of your former president rendered as a superhero with bulging leg muscles. See, that's the thing. None of these pictures were actually pictures of him. It was him in a superhero costume, a cowboy costume. (laughs) All these different costumes. It was like... like, um, like the, um, well, what am I trying to think? The guys that sang um, Macho Man and YMCA. It was like the village people. Donald Trump as the village people. 
Um, I was thinking, you know, when I'm looking at these pictures too, you know what they should come out with is um, Donald Trump action dolls. That would be so cool. He could, and since he's stealing this from everybody, he could steal some shit from uh, um, G.I. Joe. He could steal some shit from G.I. Joe and give one of the Donald Trump action dolls Kung Fu Grip. <laughs> of course, he would use that to grab women's genitals, but but goddamn, that would sell. Now, when I first heard and saw these, these uh, NFTs or these digital trading cards, uh, the immediate thing I, I, I thought of was trading cards in the 80s. Uh, I was a little old to be dealing with trading cards, but uh, they were around. And I always thought they were fucking stupid. I, but I was older, so I didn't really deal with them. <clears throat> and I'm talking about garbage pail kids. So I I googled garbage pail kids Donald Trump, <laughs> and damned if there wasn't one there. Donald Trump sitting on a golden toilet, chubby and small hands and everything. Fucking amazing. Now, Donald Trump even had some of these uh, NFTs dressed as a cowboy or shooting laser beams out of his eyes in front of Trump Tower or pumping his fist in front of a green stock market arrow. He's stock market guy. Each card has a unique pre-assigned rarity, but no card will have more than 20 copies, copies in existence. Now, I did not know that. According to real website collecttrumpcards.com, the site says it will mint 45,000 cards with unique identifiers recorded on the blockchain. So, this is, the, I mean, this is the thing. The pictures will be the same, but the um, serial number or whatever the fuck they put on it will be unique. So you will own that picture. Nobody will own that picture, except for the fact that there will be other pictures that are exactly the same, but some other kind of other distinguishing factor. Now, NFT... International LLC is not owned or managed or controlled by Donald J. Trump. The Trump Organization, CIC Digital LLC, or any of their respective principals or affiliates, NFT uh, International LLC uses Donald Trump's name and likeness and image under a paid licensing from CIC Digital LLC, which licenses may be deter or terminated or revoked according to its term. It reads the fine trim. The site also warns consumer that Trump cards are not intended as an investment vehicle. Now, that's not what Donnie would tell you. Donnie would say, oh, these things are going to be big. They are not going to be big. They are not, go they're going to be like fucking beanie babies. Everybody thought they were going to be valuable. And then years later, you got piles of them in your garage and they aren't worth that much. They're cute. My kids loved them, but I wasn't able to send them to school based on beanie babies. Now, in a post on True Social, Trump called the cards very much like baseball cards, except they're not tangible. They're not actual cards, but hopefully they're going to be much more exciting. Oh, the excitement may be, in fact, that purchasing a Trump card automatically enters you into sweepstakes. Now, this is the best part. The sweepstakes are to meet Trump for a cocktail hour or a round of golf at his Florida estate. Buying 45 cards, essentially forking over $4,500, gets you invited to a gala dinner with Trump somewhere in South Florida. But as the fine print notes, you are responsible for your own lodging and transportation to the event. What a fucking bargain. So here's the deal. You're a winner. You spend $4,500 on these worthless fucking NFTs, and you get to go have dinner with Donald Trump. But unless you live in West Palm Beach, you're, need, you're going to need to pay an airline for an airline ticket. And you're going to need to get a hotel, which is ironic because isn't Mar-a-Lago a hotel? Couldn't she give the motherfucker a room for one night? Apparently not. 
Now, it's not clear why Trump, who hasn't been doing much campaigning for president yet, has resorted to selling non-fungible tokens. The NFT market has been plunging alongside the cryptocurrency market, capping off a bad year for both fake and real money. See, that's the thing. This is all so Donald Trump. (sighs) Cryptocurrency, a lot of people had a lot of interest in cryptocurrency. But with this latest problem with FTX, people are starting to look sideways at cryptocurrency. And, of course, the NFT market, which is essentially the same thing as cryptocurrency. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, I don't know a lot about that. I think I told you I put some money into, like, Dogecoin or something because my son told me to. It costs, like, 30 bucks. I don't know if what it's worth now. I'm sure it's not worth more. And I don't really care about it. Cryptocurrency is one of these things that I never understood. To me, it sounded like a pyramid scheme or a a Ponzi scheme. Because what are you buying? You're really not buying anything. It's just like a fucking game. Again, I'm not too well versed and not too knowledgeable about cryptocurrency. For those of you that understand it and stand behind it, I don't mean to insult you. It's just a dumb old man who doesn't fucking know. Now, here's what I love about Joe Biden. Joe Biden isn't above trolling Donald Trump, especially when he does something stupid like saying he's got this big announcement and then comes out with a grift where he's selling these digital trading cards that aren't even fucking real. They aren't an investment vehicle. You got to pay $4,500 if you, if you buy these, um, these cards. Now, the way I understand it, as I was saying before, if you just want one, you pay the 99 bucks, they'll send you whatever. You don't get to pick which one. And it's just, I don't know, they fucking email it to you or whatever. Uh, you, You own that picture and it's somehow different than every other NFT with the same picture on it. I don't know how they distinguish it. Um, so you don't get to pick which one. And I would think the premise of it is that, uh, well, I want to get the cowboy one, but they send you the spaceship one. Uh, So you go, well, I'll get another one. You know, the excitement of opening up a baseball card pack, hoping to get Mickey Mantle or whatever the hot card is. I think they're trying to create that that, uh, situation with their cards. But, you know, it's going to fail. It's going to fail like True Social, like the stakes, like the airlines, like the fucking casinos. Donald Trump has never had anything that's successful I think he's just looking at this thinking he's going to get some quick money, and I just don't think that's going to happen. People aren't as willing to pay him money, and they aren't too excited by him announcing this big announcement and then having it be a grift. The Republicans aren't even too happy about it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But leave it to Joe Biden. Joe Biden will never miss a chance to troll Donald Trump, and that's what Uh, Joe Biden did. He did some Trump trolling on Twitter. He posted this. He said, I had some major announcements the last couple of weeks, too. Inflation is easing. I just signed the Respect for Marriage Act. We brought Brittany Griner home. Gas prices are lower than a year ago. And 10,000 new high-paying jobs in Arizona. To be perfectly honest with you, Joe Biden has done more in the last couple of weeks than Donald Trump and the Republican Party did in the last six years. Certainly the four years Donald Trump was president. I've said it before, say it again. All you have to do is let Donald Trump talk. Let Donald Trump do something and he'll fuck it up for him. Even the Republicans are going, oh, shit. Oh, they're embarrassed by this, you know, and, and, and that's the one thing I think that's ultimately going to get Republicans to change their minds. You know, we had Herschel Walker in Georgia going up, up against Raphael Warnock. Now, whether you're Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, 
The one thing you had to look at with uh, Herschel Walker is is ignorance, being inarticulate, saying stupid stuff, doing stupid stuff. Even if you are a Republican, voting for Herschel Walker would be an embarrassment. And Donald Trump is putting himself in that same category with a scam like he's got going on here with these NFTs, um, the future indictments coming, the evidence that will be released uh, next week by the J6 committee, the fact that Donald Trump will probably get a, a criminal referral to the DOJ. It's going to be a shit show. Donald Trump's stock next week is going to drop like a rock, and it's already drop like a rock. <clears throat> when they've polled Republicans at this point to decide who should run for president, 60% of the Republicans think Donald Trump should not run. And that's quite a difference from what it used to be. The vast majority, 60%, probably would want him to run. Not anymore. They're falling out of love with Donald Trump. I hope he still has that little flame with Kim Jong-un in North Korea because that's about all he's got left at this point. The people who love him are stepping away from him. Not only because, well, see, that's the weird thing about this. All the things that Donald Trump has done in the last four to six years, people were saying, well, we don't care, we don't care. But he helps to lose the midterms, and now he comes out with these NFTs, and he, he's now embarrassing the Republicans. There we go. That's the bridge too far. You can assault women. You can lie. You can commit treason, and we'll be fine with that. But you embarrass this motherfucker, and we're done with you. And that's how a lot of people are feeling at this point. They are embarrassed by Donald Trump. Now, had they had any sense or any critical thinking skills, they would have been embarrassed four years ago, six years ago. But they didn't have it in them. Now, all of a sudden, the light bulb is starting to go off over the heads of these dumb fucking Trumplefucks. And now they're seeing how they're embarrassed. They're seeing how foolish and how ridiculous Donald Trump is. I guess better late than never, but if these folks think that they're going to be able to redeem themselves by saying, oh yeah, Donald Trump's a fucking mess. Too bad, motherfucker, because for six years you've been supporting this guy, doing everything you can to damage to this country. You don't get away from it that quickly. You just fucking don't. It's frustrating for us, me and all of you, having seen this years before, having it become pretty obvious who Donald Trump is, what he is, how he's a danger to this country, and how he is an utter embarrassment. It's hard for us to understand that how now all of a sudden these people are starting to see it. I mean, I'm talking about people that are close friends with him. Uh, I'm going to go to a story after the break that we've got coming up here shortly. And even Steve Bannon is saying, what the fuck? Now, here's a conspiracy theorist freak. He's an idiot. He's a big-time Trump sycophant. And even he is saying, yeah, that doesn't sound good. I think as time goes on, we're going to see more and more people stepping away, becoming embarrassed Donald Trump has lost his mojo now. He doesn't have the power or the popularity that he once had, and it's slipping more every day. With the onset of more evidence from the J6 committee, with indictments possible from Donald Trump, he's going to lose it all. And I've said this from the beginning. What's ultimately going to happen to Donald Trump, whether he ends up in jail or not, he will be a lonely, miserable, broke motherfucker. That's where he's going to end up. And even if he doesn't end in jail, end up in jail, that is going to be a punishment worse than he could ever imagine. He has to be the center of attention. He has to be getting people lauding him and, and, and paying homage to him. His own weaknesses and insecurities force him to always be trying to get attention and accolades. 
But the time is coming very soon that he will not be getting those things anymore. He won't have any power. The Republican Party will disregard him, and he will just be this weak-ass, fat old guy eating McDonald's on his own. And he'll be broke on top of it. Everything that is important to Donald Trump will be taken away from him. His own fame, his own money, everything. His friends will step away from him. So even if he doesn't end up in jail, he will live in hell till his death. And we'll keep our fingers crossed that that's soon. I never would say I wish death on anybody, but uh, Donald Trump has been such a problem in this country. I, I mean, I don't want any harm to come to him by somebody attacking or assassination or anything like that. But the guy's 76, 77 years old. He's overweight. He eats McDonald's all day. This motherfucker could keel over at any moment. And if he does, you know, good riddance. Good riddance. Anyhow, we'll talk some about um, how some people feel about Donald Trump's brand new big announcement. We'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So after Donald Trump made his big announcement, all of we Democrats and independents thought it was hilarious. It was funny. It was yet another failure by Donald Trump. None of us should be surprised. It was all about him, and it was all about grift and money. It had nothing to do with the people of this country, this country, or even the MAGA fucks that think he's their Lord and Savior. We thought it was funny. The MAGA people little different story. You got to remember that MAGA folks have been planning on Donald Trump being reinstalled as president, even though we're two years after the fact. They thought Donald Trump had some master plan that he was playing 3D chess. He's so smart. It's just, just follow the plan. Just, just be patient and follow the plan. What they're now starting to realize is there never was a plan, there is no strategy, and Donald Trump is not a smart man. So when Donald Trump comes out and hypes them up and says, oh, goodness, I've got a big, major announcement to make, they were all excited. They were wetting their pants with anticipation, expecting Donald Trump finally ready to drop the hammer to take back the presidency, and expose all the Democrats for the criminals they were. But instead, he comes out with a grift trying to sell digital trading cards, of all things. Well, not surprisingly, after that happened, Twitter was uh, wild with comments. And a lot of them were coming from Republicans they were saying things like, what the fuck are you kidding me? I cannot believe this. See, Donald Trump will fuck himself every which way he can. And he really did with the MAGAs at this point. These folks have been promised and promised and nothing has come true. They paid him money, hand over fist, and nothing has ever been done. Nothing he's ever promised has ever happened. Nothing he's ever said he was going to do has come to pass. So these people are starting to get a little tired over it. And uh, Donald Trump is losing support every day by his actions. And as I've said many times before, all you have to do is let him talk. All you have to do is let him do what Donald Trump does, and he'll sink himself. And right now he is a sinking ship. Now, it wasn't just his fans, just the Trumplifucks. It was even his close buddies. Steve Bannon, for example. Steve Bannon's not taking kindly to former President Donald Trump's self-described major announcement that he's now selling non-fungible tokens. Uh, later in the day after the announcement was made, Bannon, a former White House advisor to Trump, 
panned the development on his show War Room on the Right Side Broadcasting Network. This is what Bannon said. He said, I can't do this anymore. He said, he's one of the greatest presidents in history. But I got to tell you, whoever, what business partner, and anybody on the comms team, and anybody at Mar-a-Lago, and I love the folks down there, but we're at war. They ought to be fired today. That's what I love about the MAGA folks. They're always talking about war. They're talking about fighting, taking back the country. But they never do jack shit. They talked about it leading up to the midterms. And what do they do? They get their ass whooped. Yeah, I know there was no blue wave. But the fact it turned out the way it did is fucking unbelievable. The Democrats did very well in the midterms compared to what they thought was going to happen. And the Republicans were completely blindsided. It's bad enough that Donald Trump comes out with this ridiculous scheme. But he got the MAGA people all excited. They thought, finally, finally, he's going to prove we are right. And he's going to expose everything. And he's going to be president. It'll be so exciting. (laughs) And then he comes out with a grift. These people have been pushed too far. And Donald Trump is losing a lot of support. He's in trouble. Every day there's fewer and fewer people supporting Donald Trump. There's more and more people finding out he's nothing more than a buffoon. He's an idiot. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's a stealer. He is a grifter. Now, all of us, we knew this six years ago. But it took six years for the MAGAs to realize it. You know, it's very funny that uh, this is the thing that gets them. Of all the things he's done in the six years... The egregious, the blatant things, this is the thing that bugs them. And as I said earlier in the podcast, oh, they hate being embarrassed. And that's exactly what's happening now. Every time Donald Trump opens his mouth, he's a fucking embarrassment. And every one of those MAGA people that support him have to look at a Democrat at one point or another and know they were right from the beginning. And this drives them fucking nuts. Another guy that's losing support, Kevin McCarthy. Now, he wants to be the Speaker of the House so bad he can taste it. But it's looking less and less likely that that's going to happen. First and foremost, he has to get 218 votes. But it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get that. You know, maybe in the long run, after going through this a couple of times, they'll all come together because they know they'll look foolish if on January 3rd they don't elect a Speaker of the House. So they'll somehow compromise and get somebody in there. Or, as I've said before, with Don or Don, Ed and uh, other people, uh, maybe the Democrats will sneak in there and try to game the system. I don't know if that's going to happen. But we know the Republicans were absolutely enraged when the Democrats used full votes of the House to strip committee assignments from Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene for endorsing the killing of a prominent Democrat on social media and Representative Paul Gozar, who posted an anime video of himself assassinating Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with a sword. You remember all that, right? They are mad that these people were taking off committees for those actions. What the fuck are you supposed to do? This is absolutely ridiculous. Why would a representative in the House of Representatives do or say something that fucking stupid? They not only should be taken off the uh, committees, they should be kicked out of the fucking House of Representatives. Now, McCarthy's all butthurt about this, of course, and McCarthy had subsequently suggested Republicans would do the same to Omar, Ilhan Omar, for making anti-Israeli comments widely condemned as anti-Semitic, and Swalwell over a years-old story that a Chinese spy had sought to get close to him romantically. Didn't say whether he, she did or not, but she wanted to. See, this is what they do. They take stories, they expand on it, they exaggerate it, and then they act as if it's real. Now, 
McCarthy said he's going to strip people of their committee assignments. But this comes when McCarthy is being squeezed on all sides in his bid to get the 218 votes necessary to become House, the Speaker of the House. Now, a group of five far-right Republicans have committed to vote as a block against him, which already leaves him short of the 218 mark. Meanwhile, less extreme Republicans are also threatening to block the House Rules Package if it contains a planned procedural rule that would potentially allow hardliners who have backed his speakership, like Green, from forcing a vote to remove him at any time, an arrangement they fear would leave him completely in thrall to far-right wing. Now, of course, McCarthy has vowed to kick out Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, both off the Intelligence Committee, and Representative Ilhan Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee, but he may face some opposition not just from the Democrats, but from the Republicans. And these are the more reasonably minded Republicans. They understand how silly, how vengeful, how vindictive this looks. It's not a good look for the Republicans. Among the Republicans opposed to the plan was Representative Nancy Mace. She says, I'm not going to support it, she told the publication. I try to be consistent in my values, regardless of who's in charge. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, they were taking off, uh, taken off committees for very good reason. Kevin McCarthy just wants to do it because he wants revenge. Representative David Valadeo one of the few Republicans who voted to impeach former President Donald Trump after the Capitol riots made a similar statement. He said, I've never been a fan of that. Members are elected by their districts. To throw them off just seems inappropriate. It isn't inappropriate to throw them off unless they've done something egregious, like in the case with Gosar and Green. But by throwing Schiff, Swalwell, Omar off for no reason at all, you see how that looks a little silly and how that could be problematic. That's just one more thing that Kevin McCarthy is fucking up here. I mean, over and above the far right not wanting Kevin McCarthy in, through his term as the minority leader, he's constantly screwed up. I mean, let's take the January 6th committee, for example. The Democrats offered him a 9-11 type of committee, which would give equal a number of Republicans and Democrats. But he decided he didn't want to do that. And then Nancy Pelosi decided she's going to have her own committee. But she said uh, to Kevin McCarthy, she reached out to Kevin McCarthy and says, well, you can appoint some people to be on this if you'd like. Of course, it was all at her discretion because it was her committee. And when he threw out somebody like David Banks and uh, Jim Jordan, two guys that may be implicated in the insurrection and wanted them on the J6 committee, clearly Nancy Pelosi says, hold on there. Yeah, we're not taking those two. Pick some other people. We're not taking those two. So what does Kevin McCarthy do? He says, fuck it, then we're not going to play. I'm just going to take my ball and go the fuck home. Well, that was a bad decision. Because they were able to get two Republicans and Adam Kinzinger and um, Liz Cheney. So now they appear to be bipartisan, which gives the committee much more credibility. Now, The far right would say they're not real Republicans. The fact of the matter is they're closer to the Republican Party the way it's been for decades as opposed to these far right crazies. But Kevin McCarthy basically decided I'm not going to participate. And the J6 committee got to do whatever they wanted. There was no pushback. There was nobody trying to distract. And frankly, that's what Jim Jordan's job would have been. Go in there and start yapping and start trying to distract people from the facts. But Nancy Pelosi wasn't going to allow that. So McCarthy got mad. 
That alone right there would tell you, don't make this guy Speaker of the House. You'd think that would be enough. And now just saying he's going to throw people off committees just because he wants revenge, that's not going to play too well with the Republicans in the House of Representatives. They're going to want some credibility. They're going to want to look like they're legitimate. And Kevin McCarthy just doesn't have the capability to give them that credibility. I don't know if Kevin McCarthy will end up being the uh, Speaker of the House. I'm not sure who's going to be. Nobody's really in line to get 218 votes. Like I said, maybe the Democrats stick their nose in there and try to elect somebody who's more palatable to the Democrats. I don't know if they will do that. I wish they would, but we'll see. So you got more mess at Twitter. Now, remember when Elon Musk took over Twitter, he said he was going to be a force to protect freedom of speech. He wasn't going to restrict anybody like the old Twitter did. Well, Twitter just suspended at least a handful of reporters on Thursday, including CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, Washington Post Drew Harwell, the New York Times' Ryan Mack, commentator Keith Oberman, and political video influencer Aaron Rupar. A couple of hours after the suspensions came down, Twitter CEO Elon Musk claimed the accounts in question had engaged in doxing, which at its core is releasing private information about another person which violates Twitter's terms. Which sounds like a bullshit claim. Elon Musk went on to say, same doxing rules apply to journalists as to everyone else, he said in a reply to a tweet claiming that about half of the accounts linked to a tracker on another website that follows the movements of Musk's private jet. That tracker uses publicly available information. You heard about this kid? This kid somehow figured out a way to track wherever Elon Musk's plane goes and he would put it on Twitter or other places, and that drove Elon Musk nuts. So I'm assuming Elon Musk has looked at this and tried to find a way to legitimately ban him from Twitter, and now he's using the doxing charge. Well, again, the tracker uses publicly available information. It doesn't identify where Musk lives or an address. It just shows where his plane is going, and that's federally regulated. That's public information. But again, Musk, who's all about freedom of speech, is now in the process of shutting down people's freedom of speech. Now, I will say this. Elon Musk is crying about all the things Twitter did regarding the 2020 election and the 2022 election how they apparently shut down some of the Republicans on Twitter. What he fails to mention is those things that were banned on Twitter were conspiracy theories, were flat-out fucking lies, or they were um, influenced by Russians or whatever. But he's just saying they are Republicans, and this is some kind of big scandal. Everybody's screaming about the First Amendment. The thing is about the First Amendment, it applies in the people that Twitter banned. And even though it's not right, it applies in the case where Elon Musk just banned some people. First Amendment really only applies to the government. The government can't tell you what to say and what you can't say and what you can say or any of that shit. It doesn't apply to private companies. If you're a private company, you can have any kind of rules you want for your private company. If you walk up to your local gas station and on the door it said no shoes, no no shirt, no service, that's their right. It's their company. And any app and any company on on the web can block people or ban people. That's their 
That's their option, and uh, that's their right. To suggest it has anything to do with the First Amendment is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Now, in a subsequent tweet, Musk claimed the suspended accounts posted his exact real-time location and suggested they endangered his life. They posted my exact real-time location, basically assassination coordinates, in obvious direct violation of Twitter's terms of service, he wrote. Well, you really think a lot of yourself, Elon. I got to think the only people that want to hurt you are the people that used to work for you and you fucking fired for no goddamn good reason. But Elon, you love to think that you're more important than you are. You own a fucking app. You own a failing car company. This car company has lost 60% of its value in the last year. Great businessman, dude. But he has to make up some reasons. He has to come up with an angle to get rid of people who speak out against him because, again, he is a fucking narcissist. Anybody that speaks out against him is his enemy, and he will do anything he can to shut them up. And that's pretty much what he's done. Now, in response to Elon's tweets, CNN's Oliver Darcy tweeted, This is not what those journalists did. Musk then tweeted that doxing carries a seven-day suspension, suggesting the punishments aren't permanent after all. On Wednesday, Twitter banned an account that posted the movements of his private jet after Musk said in November he would not. The platform also banned the 20-year-old who runs the account. Musk even went so far as to threaten legal action against the man who said he has not received any kind of legal notice from the billionaire. And let's be honest, if Elon Musk wants to sue a 20-year-old, he's going to run that 20-year-old into the fucking ground. He's got enough money to drag this out forever. And of course, the kid has no money at all, or not much money, certainly not as much as Elon. You know, this is all about how Donald Trump won cases. He never really won cases. He just wore um, his opponents out. He ran them out of money, and it made no sense. And because he had enough money and enough time, he just ran the clock out. And that's what Elon would do to this 20-year-old kid. All right, this next topic is is something that's always interested me. I'm always interested by mysteries. Um, and this, this, this is the biggest mystery that... Uh, we have in this country, and it's been that way for 60 years. President Joe Biden issued an executive order on Thursday authorizing the release of thousands of documents related to the 1963 assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Now, in 1963, I was three years old, about the same age as my granddaughter is now. And I honestly believe my earliest memory comes from the funeral of JFK. It seems weird that I would remember this, but somehow I do. In 1963, of course, JFK was killed, unless you're a Republican and you know he's going to show up again with his son and they're going to take everything over. But, you know, if you believe he really died, what I remember is being in front of the television at three years old and watching TV and seeing this funeral, this procession down Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, of course, at that time, I don't even know what the fuck this is. I don't know what a president is. I don't know what assassination is. I don't know what a funeral is. But I remember watching it. And the thing that somehow still sticks out to me, and I don't know why it's something that stuck out to me. You know, you saw the cars and you saw the people in the procession. But there was one part of the procession that caught my interest and struck me as strange, even at three years old. And that was, there was a horse with nobody riding it. And there were boots in the stirrup, but they were pointed the opposite way, pointed toward the back end of the horse. And for whatever reason, as a three-year-old, that struck me as strange, and that stuck with me for these 60 years. Don't know why. Don't know why, but it did. 
Now, while this latest cache will be useful for historians focusing on the events around the assassination, none of the 13,173 documents are expected to include any brand new bombshells or change the outcome of the conclusion reached by the commission led by Chief Justice Earl Warren that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone when he shot and killed President Kennedy in Dallas on November 22nd. This has always intrigued me. I've seen the Zapruder film any number of times. I've seen all the experiments trying to show could it be done, was it done, what else could have happened. And I don't honestly know what happened. None of us know what happened. All I know is that the explanation doesn't make complete sense. There's more to the story that we don't know, and it's not surprising that the government would try to hide information from us. They do it all the time. But it just seems strange in this case that 60 years after the fact, they're still trying to hide things. There's things we can't see. Most people involved in that situation are probably dead. What harm could come by releasing everything and just letting us know? Now, many of the documents released on Thursday belong to the Central Intelligence Agency, including several that focused on Oswald, mainly regarding the former Marines' movements and his personal contacts. Now, Reuters reports that most of the documents released by the Biden administration focus on requests from the Warren Commission investigating the assassinations. One December 63 document described how CIA officials in Mexico City intercepted a telephone call Oswald made in October from that city to the Soviet embassy there using his own name and speaking broken Russian. Documents also show that Oswald was uh, hoping to travel through Cuba on his way to Russia and was also seeking a visa. There's a lot of weird things about the case. And again, there's a million people going through it and and um, putting it under the microscope and trying to figure it out. And I have to be honest, I have figured nothing out. The government has not been of any help in getting us to figure this out. A lot of the documents they put out are are redacted, so you can't see everything. They're suggesting there might be some potential harm to the military or to the safety of people in this country. And I don't get that. What does the military have to do with it? Yes, Lee Harvey Oswald for a time was in the military, but when it happened, he was not. He may have gone to Mexico City. He may have gone to Russia. He may have gone to Cuba. I don't know. But it's kind of interesting that that, that Cuba and Russia are some of the groups that people think may have been involved in in the assassination. I mean, there's all kinds of stories from LBJ down to the FBI, down to the mafia, to Russia, whatever. And who really knows? The only thing I will say about it, I've heard explanations about this, but I'm not buying it. If you watch the Zapruder film and you see the final shot, the front of Kennedy's head explodes He's pushed back in the seat and off to the side. Now, anybody seeing that would suggest that that shot came from the front. It only makes sense. But the Warren Commission and everybody else would have you believe, actually, the shot came from behind. Lee Harvey Oswald shot it, and it just exploded out the front of his head. But instead of falling forward, he fell backward. See, that doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I'm not a gun expert, a ballistics expert, nothing like that. But there's a lot of weird stuff about it. You know, after the fact, they said it was one kind of gun. Then they said it was another kind of gun. Then you got the pristine bullet sitting on the fucking uh, uh, the, the, the bed next to Lee Harvey Oswald. It's just all weird. I just wish we could get this information out so we know. But apparently they feel like it's dangerous to let us know everything. Anyway, Joe Biden released some more stuff. I don't expect anything anything really pointed to come out of it. We might get some more information. It might be helpful, but it's not going to give us any answers. And, you know, 
60 years after the fact, I think we deserve some fucking answers. That's all I got to say about it. All right, let's talk about three dumb fucks. There's actually more than three dumb fucks involved in this, but let's talk about it. Three men who were part of a group that plotted to kidnap Democratic Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer received the longest prison terms yet in connection with that scheme. These clowns' names were Joe Morrison, Pete Musico, and Paul Beller. They weren't charged with having a direct role in the conspiracy, but instead for their early association and paramilitary training with Adam Fox, who led the plot from its inception and is facing a possible life sentence for his own federal conviction. Undercover FBI agents and informants were embedded in Fox's group for months, and the scheme was broken up with 14 arrests in October 2020. Now, these three clowns were convicted in October of providing material support for a terrorist act, which carries a maximum term of 20 years and two other crimes. Pete Musico was sentenced to a minimum of 12 years in prison followed by his son-in-law, Joe Morrison, at 10 years, and Paul Bellar at 7 years. They'll be eligible for release after serving those terms, but any decision rests solely with the Michigan Parole Board. Now, we're talking 12 years, 10 years, and 7 years, but those are the minimums. If the Parole Board decides they should stay there longer after their minimum terms, They could be up there to 20 years, maybe 40 years. So they're going to be out of commission for a long fucking while. Governor Whitmer, who was thankfully never harmed, spoke before sentencing. She was on video in the courtroom where she said the the most severe, that these people should get the most severe punishments allowed by the state. A conspiracy to kidnap and kill a sitting governor of the state of Michigan is a threat to democracy itself, said Whitmer, who added that she now scans crowds for risks and worries about the fate of everyone near me. It's got to freak you out a little bit. If people in your own state decide to try to kidnap you and probably cause you harm, I can understand being a little concerned. As we talked about earlier, Monday is the big day. The January 6th House Select Committee will hold its final public meeting, during which they'll make criminal referrals to the Justice Department recommending prosecution. Now, the committee has not disclosed who the targets would be or whether Donald Trump, who ignored their subpoena to appear last month, would be among them. But the speculation... That is focused on the innermost circle of staffers, lawyers, and aides. You can bet that Donald Trump is going to get a referral. We know the January 6th committee was arguing about what to focus on. Most wanted to focus on Donald Trump. Others wanted to widen their focus. Regardless of what they decided to do, you can bet Donald Trump will be the laser-focused target in this investigation. Now, the bipartisan panel of seven Democrats and two Republicans has interviewed more than a thousand witnesses, held about a dozen hearings, and collected millions of documents as it created the most comprehensive record of the January 6th insurrection. The public will be able to read the final report two days after the final meeting on December 21st and see all the evidence. The committee's hearings focus squarely on the plot carried out by Trump and his cronies to overturn the 2020 election. Four lawyers on the committee were tasked with presenting the larger group with their referral recommendations. One is Jamie Raskin from Maryland, a Democrat. He is also a law professor. Committee Vice Chair Liz Cheney, Democrat Reps Zoe Lofgren and Representative Adam Schiff, both from California. The committee will consider their recommendations on referrals once they've been presented. Now, 
Some lawmakers have suggested charges against Trump could include conspiracy to defraud the United States and obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress. Any referrals by the committee would also add to the political pressure on the DOJ as it conducts its own investigation. And that's really the value of these criminal referrals. Since the January 6th committee cannot issue any indictments, all they can say is we did this lengthy investigation. Here is the evidence. It appears to us that crimes have been committed. So DOJ, we are referring these people for criminal indictments. Then it will be up to the DOJ as to whether or not they will issue indictments. Now you can bet that the DOJ already has a lot of this information and they will get the information the J6 committee has as well as everybody in the country will have access to it. So it's going to be interesting to see how the DOJ reacts to all of this. I have a feeling they were waiting to do anything until after the January 6th committee and waiting for them to be able to get their hands on whatever evidence the J6 committee has. We know that Jack Smith with the DOJ is focused on the insurrection and the top secret documents and now apparently the fake electors. So once it gets to him, he's shown us he moves pretty quickly. And I have a feeling after the January 6th committee is done, we're going to see some fast action from Jack Smith and the DOJ. So as I've said before, next week is going to be an absolute shit show. And it's going to be a shit show in only the best kind of way. Well, that is, if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, it is going to be giving some migraine headaches to a lot of motherfuckers. And it's about goddamn time. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to sit and listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.